Welcome to Holistic Marketing Simplified, a podcast for health and wellness professionals looking to simplify their marketing. I'm your host, Molly Cahill, and this podcast is brought to you by Holistic Marketing Hub, our hybrid program that supports you with personalized coaching, caption templates, and virtual classrooms. In this program, we teach health and wellness professionals how to fish, but we also bait their hook. Head to holisticmarketinghub.com to learn more and use code podcast for $100 off. You can find full show notes, resources, and more at mollycahill.com slash podcast. Okay, welcome to the show, Renee. I'm so excited to have you today and actually with the topic near and dear to my heart because a lot of people don't know that my background, my college degree is actually in public relations. I never used it. I went straight into sales, but I already did your intro, but tell us a little bit about you and what you do and how did you get here? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. How I found you is interesting because it was like this Instagram rabbit hole. And then I feel like there was somebody else that was on your show that I was looking at. And I was like, oh my gosh, she has this new podcast. This is awesome. Um, (laughs) I know. Right. But a little bit about me is I don't have a formal education in PR. My, I started an agency back in 2012 when I was eight months pregnant with my first son and then eight in, months pregnant. Yeah. You can just gloss okay. over that. What? <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, no, no. Here's the kicker. Had a co-founder. Our business was growing really fast. And then 11 months after having my first son, I had my second son. Oh, so I had two babies in the same year starting a business. Um, no formal education in PR. Uh, also my mentality back then was like, Oh, babies, they just sleep all the time. So this isn't <laughs> going to <get into> <laughs> And starting a business. I mean, you don't work a lot and you make a lot of money, right? Isn't that what entrepreneurship's all about? Mm-hmm. So what a realization. Anyway, but one awards we were doing, our focus is really with funded technology companies and helping them with their like uh, funding announcement or launch. And um, then I took some time off because I was overwhelmed yeah, and <laughs> came, came to business coaching and then did it for a few years, loved it, but also got tired of that realize my heart is still in PR mm. and wow, things have changed a lot in the last 10 years in the industry. Uh, yeah. It's night and day. So much different, but anyways, I am living in the mountains in British Columbia, Canada. I have two boys. They're now nine and 10 years old and a new dog named blaze. Yeah. And blazes might make an appearance uh, here in yeah. a minute. So, yeah, he's fine. so how did you end up in PR? Like, how did you even start? Like, yeah. So where it started was I was living in San Francisco with my boyfriend, now husband, and he had a company out there called Flowtown. So it was like a social platform. And this is when everybody was like all the rage was like your Facebook API and creating these social platforms. But he was like, I want to introduce you to a bunch of other other companies of which I could help do some sort of marketing with because like I understood marketing. And so this was when back in 2011, when all the companies were creating like cool infographics and it was Mm. like the infographic like stage where if you had an infographic with cool information, you were getting in all of the publications. (laughs) And so I started working with a bunch of these startups, just understanding their content marketing strategy, understanding Google ads and Facebook ads and how it was helping them kind of get in the news and getting more customers. Um, And so still, I didn't know PR, Mm -hmm. but then I started working with a woman named Heather who became my co-founder in my agency. And 
she was in PR. She was doing PR for startups. And I was like, Hey, let's like, we're working on these projects together. Finally, one day I was just like, we should probably start a business together. So co-founding this company with Heather and we created this thing called this PR engine where there's like PR content marketing and social were married together because mm-hmm. we were using the three kind of silos of marketing together to amplify the work that we were doing. And then we created this business and then we just started to reach out to people like in our network saying, Hey, this is what we're doing. Do you want to sign up and become a customer? And before we knew it, we had clients from South Africa to San Diego. It's incredible. And then we were like a year and a bit into business. We realized that content marketing is extremely effective mm-hmm. coupled with social and PR, but the biggest ROI was actually in doing PR. And so we really honed in on that being like, not the only focus, but the biggest kind of thing that we were selling. And then we became a PR company for funded technology startups. And it just kind of spiraled from there. <laughs> we did well. So let's like, I'm going to like jump forward here for the people who are listening. They're like, what do you mean by PR? I think immediately people think of like Olivia in scandal. Um, <laughs> like what do you, when let's, Let's kind of like demystify that it's not something fancy. Let's give some very practical examples of what you mean by PR. Yeah. So my term for it is, well, it's public relations, but I say that it is the the mother of all marketing. It's like the umbrella. Everything fits underneath it. And why is because it's about building relationships Mm -hmm. and you want to build relationships with potential customers, with potential partners, investors, you name it. And so PR is kind of where you begin. People often ask, when do you start with PR? And that might be a question <laughs> that, that you want to ask later. But I say it's from the very moment you either have a business idea or you're going to market because because the process takes so long that PR is something you start with from day one. You're building relationships. You got to learn how to build relationships better. Yeah. So when I think of PR, and so you can tell me if this is like a different definition than what you would, I think of it as like, yes, all the things you said, but as the term is being, as I see the term being used a lot today in the online business space, or in, as we talked about before, I serve a lot of brick and mortar, you know, chiropractors, massage therapists and such. I think about it as PR is almost like free in a way, (laughs) I'm just free because tech. Time is not free. Free is not the right word. Like getting on someone else's podcast, that's PR. Or getting a write-up in your local Natural Awakenings magazine, you know, that's PR. Or, um, you know, getting a mention on Mind Body Green, like or writing an article for Mind Body Green, something like that. Like that's what I my brain goes to. So I'll let you kind of expand on that from your. Well, and that that is PR in the traditional sense too, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why. I think of it as just a way to create relationships with people. So for instance, how you and I connected on Instagram, Mm -hmm. when I just saw that there was somebody that I was connected with that was on your show, it was like, oh my gosh. And I think I like dropped some tips on how to grow your show. And then all of a sudden I'm now invited to be a guest, which is great. That is relationship building. Yes. Because I mean, I didn't know what the outcome was like, hey, maybe I could be a guest on her show, but I just like helping people. And the reason why people are often deterred by it is because it is, it takes a lot of time and it takes creativity and it takes really understanding like 
why it's important to your business, to your personal brand, to your, to your company to consistently be doing it. Cause it's unlike, you know, a funnel where you're running ads to a funnel to launch a program. PR is something definitely helps with that, but it's something you need to be doing all the time. Yeah. And I, I have so much content around this on like doing things that don't scale. I think people get into the online business world and they just automatically forget all of the basic functions of human connection and how like the one-to-one connection, like you can't serve thousands or hundreds if you're not, you know, serving one person well first. And I love that you just said that about, it's like the, it's the relationships because mm-hmm. I mean, I think back to even how I first, when I first launched my business, I wasn't just serving health and wellness professionals. I was kind of doing it for everybody because I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Or I was doing Instagram for everyone. And so my chiropractor friend and I, because she had the space, her office, right? We we ran ads for this like women's networking group. Neither one of us knew how to run ads. We we're like, hey, come like, we'll have wine and cheese and crackers. And like, if, you, if you're a woman <laughs> and you own a business, like come and had 20 people showed up and we like, didn't know how to run ads. I think I spent like $15 on ads or something. (laughs) Like we were shocked. We were like, this is great. And then, you know, like thing, like you said, it's just connections on connections on connections. And it just like that web grows out. And, you know, just from listening to your podcast, Renee, I have now started listening to some of the podcasts of the guests you've had on your show. So Renee, you say like, we always need to be doing it. Like talking about PR What is a, like, why is a PR strategy important? How does it play into your bigger marketing picture? Yeah. So people often want to glaze over the strategy. They're like, no, 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 just take my Uh story and start pitching. Uh And it can work and it has worked, but it's just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at a strategy, it's like, what is the actual business goal for doing PR? And it's hard sometimes to, to attribute wins to actual sales, but here's the thing is PR is really good at helping you build and grow your credibility and your authority, mm-hmm. right? You know, go to someone's website and they're like, you know, as seen on Forbes or business insider, all of a sudden mm-hmm. now this person seems more credible. Right. And so when you're looking at a bigger picture strategy for your business, it's like, okay, so if I want to, you know, earn $200,000 a year, these are my customers. Where do these customers hang out and how do I get in front of them is a question we always need to be asking. Then you can take the bigger picture strategy. Okay. So is it going on a podcast tour? Is it reaching out to influencers online? Is it writing contributed articles? Is it reaching out to journalists, editors? What is the strategy? And then working towards that goal. Now, here's the thing about PR is it takes a long time. It's a marathon, mm-hmm. not a sprint. I actually have a woman I've been working with for almost three months now, and we only just got clear again on her ideal customer minutes before you and I started recording. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we unlocked this whole other level. She's like, oh my gosh, it's actually 50 year old women that are executives or high performing entrepreneurs. She's a health coach. And I said, this is so good because guess what? As her publicist, now my job got so much easier. Right. Yeah. So much easier because now I know, okay, where are these people hanging out online now? I know who to reach out to. Yeah. And so the strategy is understanding the goal, where your customers are, and then finding the outlets, the means to represent yourself from a perspective of earned media 
in front of these people because then they're like, oh, this Molly girl, she is cool. She was just on somebody else's show. I like her. And now they come to your podcast and they start listening to you. And now they're like, okay, now they trust you. And then we buy from those we know, like, and trust. Yes. That's why um, I've grown my business. The majority, and this is all tied is, and I don't know why I never put it under the PR umbrella because it is collaborations is how I've grown my, I haven't, I've never run ads. I'm not against ads. I've actually planned to start running them in Q2. I just have like a weird brain block around them because they overwhelm me, but I've grown my business through collaborations. So whether that's being on someone else's podcast or doing a free lead magnet swap for our email lists or doing an Instagram live together, doing an Instagram collaboration together, you know, on a reel together. Um, I've done master classes inside other people's programs. And that's all great examples of, you know, kind of what you, what you're talking about here with the PR, but let's, let's dive into, because the majority of my audience, not all, I do have some online health coaches. Um, but let's talk first about the brick and mortar, you know, I, let's say I'm a chiropractor and I've, you know, I've gotten like PR, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, actually, I would argue it's even easier for you because you can go, yeah, almost every town has like a little town magazine, or you've got that natural awakenings magazine. Let's talk about PR for a local audience. Yes. It's, I don't want to say it's easier. Yeah. Easier isn't um, the right word, but it's like, to me, I can like pinpoint. I'm like, Oh, I know exactly so where you specific. would go. Specific, Exactly. Right. So I actually would love to use my sister as an example. So yes. she has a pediatric physiotherapy clinic in Ottawa, Perfect. Canada. Perfect. And she, of course, she leans on me for help. And I say, Look at your neighborhood and then look at your city and your town. Like just how the question is, how far are your clients willing to travel to come and see you as a professional? She determined that her furthest client was a hundred kilometers away. I don't know what that is in miles. <laughs> um, so now we create the, on the map, the circle hundred kilometer radius around the business. And we look at all the possible opportunities for media podcasts, newspapers, anything within a hundred kilometer radius. And we just go to every single one of them. Yes. And she's like, okay. And I go, this takes time, but even local newsletters, she eventually got onto her, it's called Rogers TV. So it's like a local morning television show where she got to become the expert uh, yes. pediatric physiotherapist. And she showed Amazing. up and she did a morning segment and now oh, she's going to cool. be the person they call. Yeah. So fun fact. Um, I don't even think, I don't think I even told you this, but my first job was selling advertising in a newspaper. <laughs> and yeah, I know. And I'm not even old. This was in tw 2008. I'm, not even old. I'm, I'm, I'm giggling. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> oh, I was so poor. Um, this is like 2008, right? Right before the recession. I think I was making like $28,000 a year. Yeah, it was rough. But anyway, I was actually responsible for starting a bridal magazine for our paper because I, my selfishly, my territory had a lot of bridal shops and no, none of them wanted to buy an ad in the newspaper. So I went to my boss and I was like, hey, we should start a separate publication. But I, I say this to say, like we had the bridal magazine and then it eventually morphed into just like a lifestyle type magazine for the County. It was like a, a local newspaper. And then it was like a local County, like lifestyle magazine. And we were always searching for people to, to yeah. put on the cover or article. Like we, 
you think that you're bothering these people by saying, Hey, I have an article for you when really it's the opposite, because trust me, I was on the other end when they were like, they're bit like the journalists are, are busy and they, they don't know all the cool stories in the town. Like we only had an office of, I don't know, like 15 people maybe. So it was only who we knew. We were like, who do we know that we can put on the cover of this magazine? You know, so really you're doing them a favor by 100%. pitching what and you do. Just become that the go-to person. Like another client of mine, Amber, she's in San Diego and she's, we're working together because she's launching a book and she's like the go-to person for anxious moms, um, and helping. And she's on Fox news five. Like she's been on it a handful of times now. Amazing. And now she has these clips for her website. And it's like, there's that authority credibility building mm -hmm. because it's easier for them to just send her a quick message saying, Hey, we actually have the segment idea, or we need a, a source for this. Can you show up tomorrow at 9am? And she's like hundred yeah. percent and it, it got her, like, it took her a while to get there, but now she's that person. And that's leverage to pitch other media as well saying, Hey, look at how good she is on air. <laughs> She's yeah. really good. Yeah. And so locally brick and mortar, regardless of it being like any type of business is just do that. Look at how far your clients are willing to travel to come and see you. And then just hone in on every single possible media outlet, including influencers, radio, newspapers, blogs, um, anything, even like going into your local like rink arena or where people swim and looking at bulletin boards, are you posting yeah. stuff up there? That's still relations. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Let's talk about, um, actually, sorry, I didn't prep you on this. So if you don't want to talk about it, let me know, but let's talk about influencer marketing when it comes to like local areas, because I've heard some mixed reviews before. I've had some people who are like, Oh, it did not turn out well. Cause this person wasn't even my ideal client. And then it was like, it felt, it felt funny, you know, I don't know. Do you want to speak to that? Like the influencer marketing when it comes to a local? A hundred percent. And I'm going to use this example. Yes. I love this example. So this was back in 2014, maybe we had a client and this was when like Twitter was the Instagram. Mm -hmm. the yeah. Yeah. We had a client who was like this body positivity app. And for some reason, they're like big aha, like I would absolutely love it if the author of the book, Fifty Shades of Grey, because that was the big thing back then, mm -hmm. tweeted about them. We somehow got the author, and I forget the author's name, was tweeted about this company, right? So they're like 50 or 100,000 followers, whatever the number was. And we're like, oh, this is good. And that led to zero sales, zero downloads, <laughs> zero nothing. And like, even in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, that that looks great, but I know it's not going to amount to anything and where we, we, we don't give enough credit to smaller, uh, blogs. We don't give oh. enough credit to the people that have 200 followers on Instagram or 2000 that are active, that have specific content that have high engagement. Yes. Yes. And yes. so like, Speaking my I love would, language. right. And it's like, maybe I'm a micro influencer. I don't know. I have like 5,500 followers on Instagram. Yeah. But here's where I know this is powerful is I can sell a $9,000 coaching program to those followers, right? I can sell a six month PR retainer to those followers. So it doesn't matter if it's a hundred thousand, right? And let's look at the people that have those big followings and then actually look at the engagement they get. Mm -hmm. Like I see these people that have like 250,000 followers. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And then they post something, they get four likes and one comment. Mm 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Mm, so your content's either not being delivered to your audience or those are just a bunch of bots. Yeah. It's probably bots, but yes, I get it. Yeah. And I mean, if it's a small town, it's a lot harder. It's definitely doable. But I mean, for example, for some of our, how this intersects with what we teach our client, our students and what we do for our Instagram management clients is our, on our highest tier Instagram management package, we will go out to like, for example, we have a pediatric chiropractor in Raleigh, North Carolina, and there's this cool mom's blog called Triangle Families Explore, where she posts all the different parks and like, you know, trampoline park, like uh, fun things to do with your kids around the area. And so we'll always like tag her and her story, like, you know, share her, the Triangle Families Explore stuff to her stories and like tag her. And that would be really cool. I need to tell her after this. I'm like, you should go reach out to her. And <laughs> see if you can... um, but yeah, like that's, that's to me kind of a, a good example of like how you can hone like, or harness local, like, yeah. like you said, and like influencers, like, like mom blogs or whatever. Physical, local. And then there's like local in the terms of very small niche market. So I had a client who is a, she was a paralegal to immigration lawyers. I'm like, that's very specific, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And it turns out it's a very big industry. And there's a lot of immigration lawyers in the US. Uh-huh. And she's like, but I want to work with female immigration lawyers. I'm like, even better because yeah. they're honing in on a market. And I go, are these women, are these lawyers on Instagram? She's like, yeah, they are. And I go, cool. How about this week? Your chore is to go connect with five of them, like, engage with them, comment, send them a couple DMs. Don't sell anything. Yeah. Guess what happened? What? Like two of them turned into long-term paying clients. Yeah. That's it. And that's, she's like, oh, it works. And so every week I'd ask there, I'm like, did you do it again? She goes, no, I didn't. I'm really intimidated. I'm like, but you have have new customers. Yeah. And here's the thing is if you have something that you believe in that you're selling and you're not putting yourself out there, you're doing these people a disservice. Here's what happens with these, these lawyers is now she's giving them time back. Because mm-hmm. she's doing the paperwork, they can grow their business, they can serve more people that want to immigrate into the US. So she's allowing the lawyer to actually do a better job because she's taking off the, all the paperwork off that lawyer's plate. So if she hadn't put herself out there, this wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have had the customer and that lawyer would have just still been drowning in paperwork. Yeah. I had a post that did really well recently where I said basically exact same thing you said. And I was like, it's so funny how we think about things differently. That's why I never put how to sell without being salesy. I don't use language like that because to me, I'm like, and I don't want to sell ice to Eskimos. I want to sell, I know I have something people need. Like I don't want to sell and you do too. And if you don't think that people need what you have, then that's a problem I can't solve for you. You got to go back a few more steps. <laughs> you got to go to work with a life coach or re redefine your offer or something because Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in it, no one's going to. And I always say, like, if you're hungry and you go to like grab a, a meal somewhere, like I'm, you know, I'm gonna go to Chick-fil-A. Do you have Chick-fil-A in Canada? No. <laughs> no, we don't. Or maybe we do. I just don't, I don't go. I've never had Chick-fil-A in my life. I don't know. It's, it's a thing, fast, right? And it's the only fast food I ever eat, but it's <laughs> it's they their owner is not like it's a whole nother top topic. Okay. But anyway, let's just say I like go to the grocery store and I buy, you know, a banana. I'm not going to be like, Oh my gosh, that cashier was so salesy because I'm like, no, I was hungry and they had food. 
and that met my need and now I'm not hungry anymore. Exactly. And so what you do is the same thing. I I always joke with my chiropractors because I actually didn't get chiropractic care when I was pregnant because I didn't know that that was a thing. I'm like, I wish one of you would have seen me hobbling along and been like, honey, Mm -hmm. I can help you. Crack my back. I'm actually going to see my chiropractor after this call. Right. In an hour. Oh, cool. Well, and like, you know, think about your sister-in-law. You said like, there's people who don't know, like I can help you. Oh, and it's crazy. Even like, even to go like 18 levels deeper with um, pediatric physiotherapy, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind in going and having your child go see a physiotherapist? It's probably like, oh, sports injury. Yeah. Right. They twisted their ankle and now they need uh-huh. to go. Mm, the stuff they do is crazy. Like she's worked on babies as young as two weeks old. Yeah. And there's wow. things called torticollis, right? Where yeah. their next mm-hmm. kind of, there's like, mm-hmm. that's what a pediatric physiotherapist does all the way up to understanding why a child might have incontinence at night. Mm-hmm. Like my youngest was still wetting his bed a little bit later than most kids do. So I called my sister and I was like, Hey, like, I don't know what to do. She goes, Oh, here are some physiotherapy things you can do to help them. Guess what happened? It helped. He yeah. got better. But right. if she wasn't putting herself out there to share her knowledge, the content, she like, there'd be more moms at home cleaning dirty sheets every single night right. because their kids are wetting their bed. Right. So you, and you also, this is so funny that you, you found me because I feel like we have so many serendipitous like moments where I'm like, yes. The post you posted yesterday about oh wealth is greed yes or my oh, greed yeah. that just like let my heart it was made me so happy when I was like yes she's gonna be on my show tomorrow because this is so in line with how I think I think women think well I just want to help people and I'm like that's great I I just want to help people too but I also want to make money doing that thing because if I don't I'll go out of business and then I'll help no one mm-hmm. yes so the post says money isn't a negative thing greed is right and. I believe you probably believe the same thing is I hope everyone can go out and make the most amount of money possible because it's, it's not greedy if you're using it as a means to serve others. Yes. It's greedy. If it's like, I want to buy a private jet and a plane. I mean, those things are fine, but as long as you're giving back, you're giving back in terms of like your time or something to charity, whatever. But the reality is the more you can earn, the more you can return. Yes. You give back to the people that yes. are in your community or yes. for charity, whatever. We should, it's so funny. We should do another episode later on about like money mindset, because I feel like you and I are so aligned on that topic. Cause I've had to do a lot of work. I've had to do a lot of like subconscious work on it. Get rich. Lucky bitch is a great book. If you have not read, have you read that one? No, oh, and then shout out to my bookkeeper, Kelly Marshall. She's incredible. She does monthly money mindset calls with me. And okay. cause I used to even feel guilty about having like a cleaning person. Cause I was like, yeah. Well, I'm not like, well, you're paying her, like you're putting money in her pocket. And then she puts money in that. Like, why would you feel guilty about giving another woman business? And I'm like, exactly. I don't know, because, because I'm a spoiled, privileged white woman. And I, I don't know. She's like, but that doesn't make any sense. You, But you're giving other people permission to do the same. Like we have a house manager. Her name's Betty for years. It took me That's so long next. to accept, yeah, to accept the fact that there's people here almost like we have a cleaning lady and a house manager. How, like, why is that possible? Because Betty is so busy running our lives, personal, professional, taking care of her kids when we need her to taking the dog, whatever it is that now it allows us to grow our businesses. It actually allows me to be a much better parent because guess what I'm not doing in the evenings. I'm not cooking and cleaning. 
I'm actually playing knee hockey with my sons. I'm helping them do their homework. Yeah. My friend Kate has a house manager and that's actually next on my, my husband's not open to the idea yet, but yeah, Mm. sorry. We've gotten off the PR topic. That's my fault, but I think this is really, this is really good, but so let's, we'll come back to, yeah, we should have another conversation about this, but (laughs) I, I want to make sure I have some action items for my listeners, but Mm. let's talk about you're busy, right? Like how, if you're a health coach or a car, whatever, whoever you are, everyone is busy. And it's like, how do you carve out time? It's like, oh, Molly, this is like one more thing. <laughs> it is. It could, it could just be one more thing, but here's the thing about marketing is don't do everything at once. Right. Yeah. Don't run Facebook ads and a, to a funnel and then do a huge social media strategy and then PR. Like, no, that's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just silly. Bad advice. I always say PR is this consistent thing that you need to be doing from day one. Mm. And it doesn't have to be 20 hours a week. It could be four hours, six hours at tops. And here's the thing is you can, you can train junior people on your team. You can train your, your receptionist, how mm-hmm. to do this. You can train your VA, how to do this. The whole point and the most important piece of advice is to just always be scouting for opportunities. So what does a good pitch look like in your opinion? Oh my gosh, the pitch. Let me tell you, I rewrite my pitches all the time. I think for my current clients right now, um, Janet, I've been working with for three months. I've probably rewritten her pitch like 20 times, Okay, 20 times. A good pitch is short. Uh It's to the point. There's no attachments. There's maybe one or two links to absolutely relevant information, which could be a website or a social media account. And it, it's so specific to the person being pitched that they almost like didn't realize they needed it. Mm. So what do you mean? It's an art. What do you mean? If you're a pet journalist, for instance, because I have a I have a client who's in a pet supplement space, right? And there's and there's like, oh, this new study just came out mm-hmm. that came out last week about how the pet supplement industry has grown by 14% in the last couple of years and it's expected to grow to 26%. And I was like, oh my gosh, hey, Molly, I actually just came across this really cool study about the pet supplement space that I thought would be relevant to you as a pet writer. Here's the link. Cool. That's a relationship building tactic. And then maybe I'll go do the pitch as a follow-up, right? So maybe this person doesn't reply. Molly doesn't reply to me. Then I'll reply a week later saying, oh, and by the way, if you ever need a source to talk about animal wellness or anything about pet supplements, I'd love to introduce you to my client, Susie. And who are you sending this to? The journalist. So that's the mm-hmm. give value and then do the pitch. So pitches are short. Sometimes if you can be really smart about your words, it's 200 words or less. Okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing is you're getting the taste of it too. As a podcast host, you receive pitches and there are going to be some really good ones and there's going to be some really terrible ones. Mm-hmm. And I keep all of the people, all the pitches that get sent to me to be on my show because I use it as a lesson. Cause if I'm intrigued by the email, then I'm like, hmm, somebody else would be intrigued by this approach as well. But I also have free resources on my website. And I actually have a really cool free resource too, that I've, I've linked for you email pitches that have actually proven to get media wins. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll make sure that gets linked in the show notes below. Yeah. So these are, these are actual pitches I've used to get um, clients in media on top, top podcast shows. They work. Sometimes they don't. (laughs) Are there any websites that you feel like are kind of like best places to start? You know, I'm thinking things like medium and mind, body green. Like what are your thoughts on those in terms of who to pitch? Mm -hmm. 
I always say, if you've never done it before, never go to like the top tier publications. Yeah, right. Just get the kinks out by reaching out to people that might be like local bloggers mm-hmm. or a smaller publication. But the most important thing is providing value. Like yeah. tell the story of why you're the right person for this mm-hmm. or why you're the right guest for the podcast or why the story angle is important to the audience. I've done it before. I know when I pitched a podcast before, it was like, hey, I just look through all of your episodes and I see that you've done episodes on, you know, paid social media marketing and on email marketing, but you've never done any on organic Instagram marketing. So, you know, I'd love to come on and have, you know what I mean? So it's like kind of filling that gap and also showing that you've done your homework on what their show is about. Yeah, that is absolutely perfect. That is so perfect because to me, it's like, she gets the sense of the content that my audience wants or that I talk about or the people I interview and she sees where there's a gap in the content. Mm -hmm. Like my audience are much like you and I, female entrepreneurs. Do you know how many times I get pitched men, like 55 year old accountants or lawyers, men? Mm -hmm. I'm like, sure. But I go, if you've actually paid attention, the only man that's ever been on my show is my husband. (laughs) Oh yeah. I have one client who she went viral about three months ago and she's still, we're still fielding DMS and emails from someone who I'm like, clearly this is a massly sent. Like mm-hmm. nobody has looked at what you do. <laughs> like this is not, you know, that brings up a really good point. Never mass pitch. And what I mean by that is every single email or message you send to a contact or a journalist is to them. Now I use, I use Google templates. So I actually like, I'll craft the outline of the email pitch and I'll put it in a template. And then for every single person I go to reach out to, I update the information Mm -hmm. where necessary, but it's not like a put in 50 email addresses, BCC everyone and send the email. Yeah. That's not going to work. Do you ever use the Hunter? Hunter, Hunter, Hunter app. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a a Chrome extension that helps you find email addresses. There's also Snove.io. There's Muckrack. There's a bunch of different tools you can use to actually find email addresses. There's really expensive software like Prowly, Muckrack as well, where you can pay thousands of dollars to get all this information. It just depends on where you're at in your business and who's doing the job. Yeah. And if, if you're unfamiliar with what, why I'm even asking this, sometimes like just sending something to the general, like info at whatever.com is probably not going to go to the right person. You want to find the health editor or the, you know, in, not in the even case, the editor, not editor, like, you know what I'm saying? Like the health, um, I'm person. even thinking of like the all these person. small publications because where I live, we get three magazines a month. One is just for our neighborhoods. Our neighborhood's huge. One is just for our town. And one is for like the greater area. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have that at my old, like where I lived before. So uh, are you in any of those newsletters? Not yet. No, I haven't made time for it. I haven't carved out time, but also to be fair, it's, it's one of those things like I've had to put on the the back burner right now because I did just get the podcast up and running and I'm about to go through a rebrand and we're onboarding two new team members. And so I'm pretty good about saying like, all right, we'll think about that in Q3. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing about the pitching part too, is, um, my God, there's so much, and I have a lot of free content on, this could be a total other, other episode, but it takes time. Yeah. Right. It takes a lot of time 
in it's maybe it's not a thing for you right now and time in the sense of like it's not 50 hours a week but it's like it takes months like yeah. six seven months an example is um I helped my husband with his book launch and I started pitching certain shows in September mm-hmm. that only replied back to me like a couple weeks ago at the time of this recording it's like end of February wow takes five months sometimes for shows to get back to you. And so it's like pitch and maybe follow up once, no more than that. Oh, that's good to know. I like that. Yeah. Too. And and then also reaching out to and finding journalists mm-hmm. look for. So like I have one client, she's a pretty well-known journalist and I'm coaching her from a business perspective because she's starting a really awesome content marketing agency. Mm. And she, so the funny thing she does, we do all the time is after our hour long coaching call, she always asks me how many emails, pitch emails did I get in our last, the last hour? I'm always like, Oh, I don't know. It's like on average, it's like 70 emails. And here's the thing. People are pitching her Uh based on an article she wrote seven years ago that she doesn't write content about anymore. Oh, wow. People aren't doing the work. I have somebody on my team for, for 10 to 15 hours a week, her only job, her only job is adding to and updating our media list. That's it. So she goes and she looks for the podcast shows to make sure the contact information is right. They're relevant. They take guests, all this stuff, other media outlets based on the industries that our clients are in. That's her only job. And again, like I said, there's a lot of expensive software out there that can do it. We've tried it all. This process works for us the best. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's, well, like to wrap up, what's like one thing, what's one easy step that somebody could do today to start their PR efforts? Really? So the one thing is honing in on exactly who your ideal customer is, Mm -hmm. crafting your unique hook, your, your why behind why you started your business, because like people like Journalists can easily go and find out what product or service you're selling by going to your website. And if you're just another chiropractic clinic or you're just another physiotherapy clinic, they want to know why you're different. Mm -hmm. So what's the story, how you're unique, what's the hook that they can sink their teeth into, and then just draft out that story in a Google doc and then have people, you know, that are good writers or somebody on your team review it. And that eventually will become your pitch. And that's the story that you share online through your reels, through social media, through the marketing that you're doing while working with Molly, um, <laughs> that becomes a story. And that's the most important thing at the same time in tandem with growing that media list, mm-hmm. publication, name, contact information. Yeah. My one mm-hmm. tip would be to piggyback on what you said. Yes. All that. And then also I would start, I like to start with warm leads. So you would be shocked how many people, like some of the chiropractic business coaches I've worked with closely, I'll look on their website and I'm like, Hey, I saw you were on this show and this show. Would you mind doing a really quick email introduction? Like here, like I've even like typed it out for them before. I'm like, can you just like send this, this email? And like the same, like if you're just a brick and mortar clinic, ask your patients, I guarantee you, they know somebody who works for the local paper or radio station or Yeah. I feel like sometimes that could be a little less intimidating starting with like a warm and that gives you the confidence to do more of the pitching. Totally. Oh yeah. Always start with who, you know, Yeah. (laughs) or just like in any business though, there's like this, this curve where it's like, you have this initial injection of cash and revenue because it's like your friends and family and then their associates that come in. And then when that's dried up, 
it's all about how you market to the cold traffic. Mm -hmm. And that's why you need to hire people like yourself and me to help understand, like, how do I get in front of people that don't know me yet? Right. But yes, yeah, start with people, you know, do what you can with what you got. And then you go from there. Yes, absolutely. Well, Renee, thank you so much for being on the show today. How can people find you? And um, I know you've already given us one resource, but you want to tell us a little bit more about how we can find you and work with you. Yeah. So I have a podcast called Into the Wild. And I talk with female entrepreneurs about all things in life that uh, relate to health, wealth, and relationships, because we are more than just entrepreneurs. So if you go to it, you go on iTunes or Spotify, it's called Into the Wild. You'll see me in pink. Um, otherwise, you can go to wewildwomen.com to check out my PR services. Yeah. I love the name, by the way. I love the name. Thank of your you. Business. I think it's so cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Renee. And I can't wait to see some action steps that people have taken. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Holistic Marketing Simplified, brought to you by Holistic Marketing Hub, our hybrid program that supports you with personalized coaching, caption templates, and virtual classrooms. In this program, we teach health and wellness professionals how to fish, but we also bait their hook. Head to holisticmarketinghub.com to learn more and use code podcast for $100 off. And hey, you know how every podcaster at the very end of their episode asks you to rate and review their podcast? Well, that's because it's super important. These podcasts take a lot of time and heart and effort to produce to bring you free information. So in order for me to be able to continue doing that, we need more people to find out about the show. So if you could, please just take like two minutes out of your very busy day to leave me a rating and share this on your Instagram stories and tag at Molly A. Cahill. That's C-A-H-I-L-L. I would greatly, greatly appreciate your support. I truly appreciate you so much. I know your time is valuable and I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Premium.